Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Here we go, folks. You're riding the late train with uh, Father Nathan Goble. Hello, Michael Lachlan, and I'm feeling it. On Catholic Stuff You Should Know. We're having a great time because it's still the season of Pascha, and um, there is nothing better than um, a little late night uh, uh, cappy cap, as yeah. Father Father John likes to call it. Father John used to come into my bedroom uh, <laughs> when he got back late, and uh, he'd be like, Gobel, hey, cappy cap. cappy cap. I'm like, go to sleep. I had a friggin' Listerine cappy cap. <laughs> but um, every once in a while, he'd convince me, so... He's a he's always up to party. He would walk in with two drinks, and if you didn't want him to drink them both, <laughs> he's a, he likes to party. Um, yeah, true story. Um, this actually happened today. Um, Have you told me this yet? No. Okay. Um, I told the other guys in fraternal group. I um, uh, how do I say this? I was putting stuff into the refrigerator outside. And I laid hold of the um, six pack of Guinness that I bought. Okay. And uh, the one of the Guinness, one of the Guinai, I don't know, Guinea, Guinea, <laughs> uh, slipped through the plastic Ooh. and fell on the ground. Did fell it on the ground. Yeah, it it started. It cracked. Okay. So it was like it was like hissing and spitting, like you know Guinness all over the place. Right. And, you know, with that nitrogen in there, like, there's a lot more, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, um, as, I, as I showed uh, my, <laughs> my family, this is what I had to do. So, if you press, or, you know, play, uh, you don't have so to I listen. dropped a stupid Guinness. Oh, I guess we're going to. And yep. um, it started leaking everywhere. So I, sent, I sent this to my family. 12. Car bombs. <laughs> <laughs> So when I when I worked at the supermarket, I I don't know if I've confessed this yet. Actually, what do you? I mean, when I worked at the supermarket as a kid, kid-ish, I would uh, I would accept. I don't think I ever did it myself, but I, I I benefited from employees who would accidentally on purpose use their box cutter and slice the top of a. Yeah. Box of Oreos, and then now you couldn't sell it, so we'd eat them, and then just lop off the top of a milk. You couldn't sell that. We'd have to drink it. We'd have milk and Oreos, and yeah, we, you you got to confess. We that. used to get, we used to get, and I never did this either, but I laughed at it, so I probably need to confess it. But um, we used to get in raw meat fights in the supermarket. Like uh, what? This place is open twenty four seven, and so we would throw raw ground beef like they were snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Each other. All right. This podcast may, may is quickly, I be devolved, <laughs> quickly devolving. I mean, like, it's one of those things where it's just like, at some point, you're going to have to confess that. And I think you I should know. just drop it in the middle of, <laughs> in the middle of a bunch of different things. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't really pay attention while I said mass. And, you know, I didn't say my prayers as, as fervently as I would like. And, I made a meatball um, <laughs> snowball and threw raw it at meat snowball. raw meat snowball and threw it at somebody and um, you know like I was kind of short with somebody on the phone. Please and all my sins, I'm truly sorry. What penance would you give for someone who confessed throwing a raw meat snowball at somebody else? I would ask and them. They didn't own the meat. 
They didn't own the meat, yeah. and I would say, did it cause, did it cause financial harm to the company or whatever? Yes, but it caused great glee to us. True. Uh, yeah. And then I would say, make some <laughs> kind of offering to the poor of the yeah. same amount. Yeah. Good call. So, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, I had a half a Guinness left. When I poured it into a glass, because I was like, what am I going to do with this? I can't just throw it away. It's Guinness. And what hour did this day drinking happen? 12.50 in the PM. That's not so bad. (laughs) Right before I did a sick call. Uh, It was actually really fun. So anyways, I poured it into a glass. There was a half half glass of Guinness. And I said, "What, what what goes great with a half glass of Guinness? A shot of Bailey's. Nice. And uh, so I didn't put the Jameson in there. It wasn't a true Irish car bomb. It was kind of like a, you know, Irish, so Irish put, sedan bomb. <laughs> you put the you put the Jameson in the same shot glass as the Bailey's, or you put it in the yeah. Guinness. You put it in the same shot glass yep. as the Bailey's. It should be half and half. Half and half. Okay. Half and half. Catholic stuff you should know. Exactly. How to you make should an Irish car bomb. How to make an Irish car bomb. Yeah. How to make a Negroni. Negronis are delicious, uh, pretty much Italian Manhattans. One part Negroni, one part Negroni, uh, <laughs> one part Campari, one part gin, and one part sweet vermouth. But what matters is actually the gin um, and the sweet vermouth are really the only two things that are variable because Campari, you can't change that. And um, we found the perfect admixture of... Uh, German gin that was sent to us from a podcast listener. Ooh, okay. You know who you are. It's, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Bob and Carolyn Buck's daughter, um, whose name is escaping me. She's yelling at the phone. Novak, Karen Novak. I am so proud that I remember that. Um, she sent us that German gin and it was delicious and it paired perfectly with the Campari and the sweet vermouth. I'm, I'm looking up. Keep on, keep on talking. But I'm looking up. There was something. The other Catholic drink you should know is, um, let's see here. Irish car bomb, definitely. A Manhattan is. I mean, I had that at Mike X the other day. That's kind of a you know pretty important That's one. A classic. Yeah. Didn't realize that it's kind of rye whiskey and not just bourbon. Oh. I, I thought it was just bourbon, but they do highly recommend rye whiskey. So rye whiskey. Um, sweet vermouth, um, rye whiskey, sweet vermouth, and what's the other thing? Oh, maraschino cherries and an orange oh, slice. And you forgot the maraschino cherries when we had the night with catfish. I felt so bad. <laughs> we wouldn't have even noticed. Okay, so here's what this is Facebook comments from what you drank last time. What were you drinking last time? Do you remember when we recorded? Calumet. Calumet, but what else? You put something. You put something else in it. and You didn't know what drink it was. You just mixed some things together. Or was that two podcasts ago? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Um, I mixed. I mixed Bailey's, okay. and not vodka. So you mentioned what it was, and these are the comments. Uh, so I'm going to butcher your names, but Veronica Clevidence says, "Just started this episode, but Father Nathan, add vodka, and you have a Bailey's White Russian." Right, but it wasn't a White Russian. Because you were lacking. Well, you, you did. W- oh, you did put milk in it, though. I remember that. You had milk yeah. in it. Okay. And then somebody, and then a Jenna. Oh, Kahlua. Kahlua. Okay. All I did was Kahlua and Bailey's, I think. Oh. And cream. That's right. Because I was like, those are 
same thing in my mind. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not a. Um, it's not a white Russian. Okay. So then somebody Bailey's just, and Kahlua is not a white Russian. You don't put Bailey's in a. You don't put Bailey's in a white Russian, right. do you? No, I don't think so. It's too Irish. Clevedens. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> and then Jenna Suchek says Bailey's Kahlua and some Crown equals a duck fart. What? My favorite recommendation to give people when I was a bartender. Add vodka to that, and then it's a moose fart. Hang on a second. Could you, could you just go back to what is in the duck fart? Uh, Bailey's, Kahlua, and some Crown. Like Nice. I've got all that. Like mixed uh, blended whiskey. Um, add vodka, and it's a moose fart. With with the vodka and the whiskey? I guess so. Oh, my gosh. Your, she says, your, your Bailey's, Kahlua, and vodka combo is called a mudslide. Oh, mudslide. That's what it is. Bailey's, Kahlua, and what? And vodka. You didn't have... Did you have vodka in it? Bailey's, Kahlua, and vodka. I can't remember. Okay. All Catholics... Have it's Easter. Know. I don't remember my last drink. Anywho. <laughs> okay, here's some of the questions that were asked us on the convocation. One was, quote, Have you ever felt guilty about your drinking? Ever. Ever. I'm like... Okay, hang on a second. Like, ever means like in the entirety of my life. Like in a, in one moment, it meant like I just had I just had a third drink and I shouldn't have. Does that mean? Does that count? Or is this like yeah. I drink too much in general? I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, one of the questions was, have you ever felt guilty about drinking? I would interpret that as meaning like in general, and I would answer no. no I I've said yes, and I got a point. Because it's the, I think it's called the cage test, which is, it's an interesting test, and I think it's helpful okay. to kind of ascertain, like, do you have a problem with alcohol? Right. Um, but if it's like, if you get to two or above, you're in the danger zone. Well, I mean, one point is already, have you ever felt guilty about drinking? I'm like, do any of these people go to public, public colleges? Yeah. Anyway, How many questions were there? Four. Oh, Wow. Just so you know, folks, I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat. We took the BMI test again. Since I've been a priest, the BMI test has been put in front of me more than the oath of fidelity. Do you understand that? The BMI test has been put in front of me more than my oath of fidelity. Are, do you swear that what you're teaching is true to the faithful, or have you ever eaten a four-pack of chicken strips from Chick-fil-A immediately after eating nuggets from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Hashtag judge anything else but my BMI. Leviticus 316B. Exactly. That's my new tattoo. <laughs> Leviticus 316B. We'll let you look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great quote. I might make that my um I might make that my new license plate. <laughs> I actually think I'm gonna do vanity plates this year. Nice. What I'm gonna doing? do. I'm gonna do the full full meal deal, and and Leviticus three sixteen B might actually be it. Lev three one six B. Nice. Or if you do, if you leave out the B, people will figure it out. But the B's more the helpful. B's kind of you kind of need to be in there. Kind of important. So, anywho, uh, we are not gonna sit here and banter the whole time. Thank God. Thank God. But well, we are talking about a subject that is, is going to affect a lot of different persons in the it, podcast world. Okay, this is one of those podcasts where I have no idea what you're about to say. So No idea. Going old school. Here we go. 
How do you evangelize people on planes? By Catholic stuff you should know. Get ready. I'm going to talk about three different conversations I've had on the plane. Okay. And I was going to give this com- I was going to give this talk uh, last year because I had two very different ones. So first of all, shout out to the girl that I was on a Southwest flight with mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Yeah. Who I gave a Catholic stuff sticker to out of my bag. Huh. So she might be listening. Who knows? Shout out to the girl from uh, France who I talked to on the way uh, after we woke up, you know, like, because you fly from Nairobi to uh, Paris. Yeah. And, um, and then, like, about an hour and a half before we got to Paris, we both woke up and kind of groggily, like, you know, drinking <laughs> coffee and, you know, trying to have a conversation. But um, I'm like, I should have a conversation with this person. And she was reading a book. Uh, that seemed about archaeology, so I just immediately assumed that she was an archaeologist. Okay. And so I go, so were you in a dig in Africa? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, she's like, yeah. no. I'm like, oh. Are you Indiana Jones? We're quickly running out of things to talk about. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's cool. And uh, anyways, uh, so I, I want to talk about those three conversations. Cool. So. Um, the first one is, um, what's your, what's your end goal in either not having a conversation or having a conversation? I can tell you mine. Okay. Which is normally, it's probably best for me not to talk to people on planes because I'm normally in a very crappy mood and, um, it's quite possible that I cut them off. Um, it's quite possible that the fronds of my BMI are flowing into their seat. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And, um, but I, I just, I also am kind of awkward at times and, uh, I don't want to get sued for harassment. So, um, unless I know these people, I don't know if I really want to talk to them, but my guess is people like Gomer, they have no problem talking to people on planes. They're fine with that. I generally like it. And I, I you think, like talking to people anywhere. Yeah. The planes, you have a captive audience and they have a captive audience, and that's kind of understood. But I right. would say I would say generally it depends on the person, but I I rarely have had a conversation on an airplane that didn't end with me saying I'm glad I did that. This is also applicable to people who are in dialysis. Yeah, right. Because it's captive yeah. audience. Right. And you could talk to the person next to you. Yeah. Or on a roller coaster. Or on a roller coaster, just preferably not while you're on it. Right. Like, you know, like in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you ever say, you know what, just don't want to talk to anybody right now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Headphones. Put the headphones in. Yep. Take out your, you know, Leodera Lux Lab book and just, you know, start taking <laughs> notes. Listen to Screamo that they can actually hear. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a nutcase. <laughs> Oh, man. Like, you just turn on, like, the most heavy death metal song that you <laughs> exactly. own. When I was in high school, um, there, you know, it was the big fad of... Eh, that's kind of died out, but people uh, putting huge speakers in their cars oh, and, yeah. like, you know, blaring the music and everything. Yeah. So you pull up to stoplights, and they would just, you know, have music, you know, kind of blaring. So uh, me and Brian Coulter, shout out to Brian... Um, he's a youth minister, uh, a youth pastor, excuse me, 
uh, somewhere in the south, probably Georgia. I've lost track of him. Um, and uh, he's a Protestant. Anyways, he had a single tape of uh, That's My Ronald McDonald uh, from McDonald's. Oh, wow. And we would, uh, we would put it into the tape deck, and we would turn it down <laughs> on high and be like, That's my Ronald, my one and only Ronald. That's my Ronald McDonald. And then it just keeps going. It's just like whatever, and we're just like sitting there, like bouncing our heads, like yeah. I want to get, I want to get a copy of Bartman. I had that entire rap memorized when I was a kid. Bartman? It's a Bartman. It's a song. Bart Simpson raps the whole time. Oh, and I, I don't, I don't think I can even start it right now. Do the Bartman? I think it was. Oh yeah, do I'd, the Bartman. I had to find it, but it's like Bart Simpson, the girl who plays Bart Simpson, rapping the whole time. The other one that uh, we used to listen to was Particle Man. Oh, yeah. Particle man, particle man, <laughs> does whatever a particle can, can you jump, particle can, particle man. That would actually be a very nostalgic experience. To Shout out to Donnie Reining. He loved the particle man. Although I have to go back. What'd you, what do you call McDonald's? Dirty Ron Steakhouse. Daniel Wolbach called it that, and I almost died. But then I got food poisoning from Dirty Ron Steakhouse last Sunday. Wait, but tell people what your diet was for the whole day. <laughs> it might not have Listen, been Listen, man, like, uh, we're going to end <laughs> up, like, I'm going to end up having to take another BMI test, <laughs> and it's like a load of garbage, okay? <laughs> you people can't even judge, okay? You don't even know. So I, I got sick, woke up, uh, woke up Monday morning with uh, just massive bad symptoms, um, things being evacuated out of my body at... High propulsions. Um, and uh, so I'm like, what did I eat? And I'm like, all right, go back through. I'm like, here you go. Um, I had Fruit Loops for breakfast. Those were not brought in the house by me. That was Father Michael. <laughs> that was me, I admit. But they look good, so I had some. Fruit Loops. I had coffee. And uh, I had some Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And I had, what was the other thing? Um, I think you had donuts at some point. Oh, I had two donuts. Thank two you. Donuts. Um, I had two donuts. Were the Reese's the candy bars that you mentioned? Or was that something else? I think you said your lunch was two candy bars after having two donuts. Oh, well, though, the, the two donuts were because I was going to the eye doctor and I had to run and I didn't think I was going to be able to eat lunch. Ah. So I just had two donuts. Uh, no, no, no. Those two donuts were the day before. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so I had two donuts, and then not the candy bars, like those fun size candy bars that are in like the people's dishes, you know, yes. candy dishes or whatever. So I had those after my meeting, um, and then I went straight from there to mass confessions. No, mass confessions, mass, and then it was the evening, and I was like, "There's nothing to eat at the house." I mean, quote, nothing. <laughs> right. But I'm like, I'll just get Dirty Ron Steakhouse because I had left my wallet at home and uh, I didn't have any money in my car except for the McDonald's gift cards wow. that I have for the homeless. So I kind of stole from the poor. <laughs> Anyways, so I got McDonald's and ate it greedily while I talked to, you know, Nick Blaha on the phone. Um and then, or maybe it was Father Jason, I can't remember. Um, and then I went to sleep, felt fine. 
uh, kind of sweaty, heart kind of pounding, um, and then eventually just woke up and I was like, oh gosh. So then I told Olo what I ate, and he's just like, "Yeah, I could be any one of those things." I'm like, "Shut up!" But I had just had the I just had a bowl of Fruit Loops. I was really hoping it wasn't that. It was not the Fruit Loops. It was not the Fruit Loops. I did. It was Dirty Run. Yeah. Okay. Anywho, so okay, evangelizing on planes. Yes. Here we go. Yes. So so part of the issue is, you know, if you don't want to talk to anybody, you just put in your headphones. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's like you should actually be open to the possibility of an encounter with another human being. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put my bat, my batarang to use, get out my utility belt and kind of talk to these people. And uh, what I love doing is trying to establish, my goal is I'm trying to see if in like 10, 15 minutes, if I can establish some kind of common unity. Hmm. Like, oh, that's cool. You like peanut butter. So do I. Isn't it cool that we both like peanut butter? And then you kind of talk about that for a little bit. And then eventually, the goal for me is trying to get them to express what is it that you want from God? Hmm. What is it that ultimately you're, you're looking for? Okay. Or what is it that most people are looking for in general? And what I've found is the most common kind of expression of need that people have or desire that they have um, is for community. They want friendship. They want intimacy. They want um, they want closeness with God and with other persons. Okay. And if I can somehow get them to begin articulating their need, then why would they have a need if there wasn't some one or something that could fulfill that need? Yeah. And kind of talking about the other ways in which we kind of want to go through that. It's good philosophy, yeah. So that's ultimately my my kind of ninja goal. Hmm. Because if you can elicit from them what it is they're looking for and kind of propose that you should keep looking for something because obviously you wouldn't just randomly be looking for something without there being... Uh, some object out there for your desire, um, then hopefully you can get them to see it's possible. Not ultimately like you have to become Catholic or you got to become a Christian or whatever, but it's possible that maybe your uh, fulfillment will be found in the Catholic Church. Yeah. I think think my goal is always to get, because this happens a lot, is to get them to realize that their understanding of the Catholic Church is wrong. Hmm. Because that's almost always the case. I mean, this is Fulton Sheen. They almost always, you can, you can blow their mind with the most basic truths of the faith if you just know them. And they're amazed by it. They're like, I've never heard it said that way. And, you know, almost everybody says, oh, I used to be Catholic, or I'm a fallen away Catholic, whatever. And, and then you ask them why, what the experience is, and then, you know, it usually has something to do with a, a, some you know, moral experience and a fallen morality. But then as they get older, they start questioning things and they start finding truths in certain places. And then, but you can take, you know, the the concept of heaven and hell. There's like, oh, I, I don't want to believe in a God that would send anybody to hell. And you're like, let's talk about hell for a second. And let's talk about what gets you there. And let's talk about heaven and what gets us there, you know. And it's just a whole other way of thinking sometimes than people are used to. And what is it, what is it you would actually feel if there was somebody in heaven who didn't want to be there? 
Right. They have no interest. Right. Why do I want to be with other people? People never think of that, though. They, they, most people think that heaven is just a place where if, if you've been good, God's like, okay, fine, come on up. And if you've been bad, he has a reason to send you away from him. Right. That's just like the, the, the normal person's concept of heaven or hell. And it's like, it is so much different than that. And, right. you know, even just having somebody that, that would, that's obviously like a priest who's decided to dedicate their entire life to the church and is not doing it because they're trying to earn heaven, just that realization that yeah. people can make is, yeah. blows their mind sometimes. I mean, the first conversation that I had was, um, we're coming back from a long vacation, and I just sat next to this guy who is from somewhere out east, I think North Carolina or something. And he found out I was a priest, and he told me that he was, you know, not Catholic or whatever. And we started talking about marriage. And uh, I just kind of said, I work with a lot of married couples. What would you recommend? He goes, honestly, I don't really know a lot. Hmm. He's like, me and my wife, uh, we don't really know, like, exactly what we're doing. I was like, can you tell me some of the things that you've done that have worked? Yeah. He's like, well, um, super nice guy. And uh, he's like, um, you know, we... uh, we do date night. Um, we do date night not as often as we should. We tithe. We try to pray together. We turn off the TV and we actually have family meals. Um, we make Sunday a, a day in which we you know, go to religious services and then we do something fun together as a family. And I'm like, you're doing really well. Yeah, right. Amazingly well. And sometimes I think it's not like I have to figure out what you're doing. Sometimes people just need to hear the affirmation of you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. Right. Like you're doing great. Yeah. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You're going to have a long marriage. People love to hear that. I oftentimes tell people at 6.30 Mass in St. Francis de Paul or wherever I'm doing early Mass, like, you know, pat yourself on the back because you're here. Like... I think people that, that that can be sometimes we go to church out of guilt or we go to you know we 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 are never kind of resting in the things we do do well and in our piety yeah. and so just telling people you're you're in church on a Tuesday morning at six thirty a.m. like yeah. you're doing something right you know must be doing something right yeah exactly give yourself a pat on the back yeah right but then that's the first guy. He's okay. doing things well. Right. He needs to hear affirmation. Yeah. Second guy, same leg of the trip, or I should say same trip, different leg. Okay. Um, he is, um, he's got everything figured out. Uh, former Catholic school, uh, sister was, you know, in, you know, some kind of religious formation. Um, he's got it all figured out. And this is the reason why I don't go to Mass, and there's ways why I don't think I need to go to Mass, and whatever. And uh, and at that point, you're not trying... It's like, you know, judo. Like, you try to use the opponent's force against them. Um, you're not trying to condemn them, but rather to hear them, which will eventually, like, produce the effect of... Did I really just say that? Yeah. Did I really just admit to that? Um, and, uh, sometimes I'll just say like, so what is it that you do that gives greater honor and glory, you know, to God or to to yourself? And, um, it's like, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe in, in church or organized religion, what do you believe in? Mm-hmm. And why don't you tell me what those values are? Because oftentimes those values that they're still holding on to are Catholic. 
they don't want to call them Catholic because right. then that would mean they still need to be a Catholic and maybe go to mass and go to confession. Uh, and you know, you just kind of wait and see, wait and see, you know, how they, how they articulate it. So either you're allowing them to say something that they're doing that you can affirm or something that just says, yeah, I, I can't exactly affirm that, but I need to hear what it is you believe because you believe it strongly enough to kind of say, I don't believe in all these other things. Right. And I found, Father John said this a long time ago, but I would agree with him. One of the hardest people to talk to are former Catholic school uh, kids because they just think, I did that whole thing. Yeah. I figured it all out. I don't need to do it anymore. I think I've, I've experienced everything there was to experience in the Catholic Church, and it was not fulfilling, and right. it just made me mad. And so I checked out, and I'm right. not going back. Yeah. Then the last one, the last one is, uh, uh, this was actually the conversation that I had with this girl um, in Nairobi, or from Nairobi to Paris, um, which was really beautiful. And, you know, sometimes we're like, wow, that conversation went so well. It was like kind of anointed. But maybe they were just sitting there like, why don't you just shut up? Like, stop talking to me or whatever. So, I don't know. She can... She, if she, if she's listening at any point, she can kind of say, "Yeah, I kind of agree with that," or "No, that dude was just trying way too hard, and what a loser." But the task for that one, which was just a little bit different, was she didn't know what she wanted or what she believed in, but I, she had very strong beliefs. She had very strong opinions, hmm. and the task was getting her to see. Some of the things that she really desires are noble and good hmm. and need to be encouraged. Things like friendship, community, uh, mysticism, um, yeah, the, kind of the sharing of common beliefs, all of that, you know, and you can see kind of the underpinnings of the, you know, the Catholic Church. Um, but at the same time, it was kind of like, well, I don't actually believe we need to. I don't actually believe we need to disagree with anybody or anybody else's beliefs. Right. It's like, well, I mean, you know, I think we can see like how that could be problematic and just kind of pointing out some of the, some of those you know, reasonings. Um, but then also like, you're not trying to just shut them down, but then hopefully lead them to the place where it's like, is this possible? Is it at all possible that this dude that's sitting next to me, who looks like he really doesn't have anything together, like just got off a huge bender from Ethiopia to Nairobi, running on like, you know, less than three hours of sleep. Right. You know, it's like, what does this guy really know? And at the same time, like, he's speaking about things that are are deep in in my heart and um, and how how does he know that if he doesn't know me? And, and to me, it was like a really kind of Samaritan woman kind of conversation, which was like, what is it that you desire? Now, here's where I went went wrong, folks. You can play the game. You can be kind of, you know, charming and witty and whatever. But you got to know, you got to know when there's landmines. And I walked right onto a landmine. Because I told her, I said, so what do you like doing with your boyfriend? 
Like, what, what are some of the, you know, uh, things that you guys enjoy doing? And she said, well, honestly, um, my boyfriend likes to dance. And I said, that's awesome. Dancing is great. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, I've talked about dancing on the podcast because I think it's a beautiful expression of uh, complementary roles. Mm-hmm. Complementary roles? Huh. I'm like, yeah, the man gets to lead. Oh, wow. Oh, um, you get to feel safe in the arms of someone who a- allows you to be um, received and not like you know, you know what needs to go on or you know figure everything out. Like it was just like watching you know a guy like trying to jump from you know landmine to landmine to landmine. So you're gonna fail, but I think the the failures can be as beautiful because they're seeing it as they're hopefully seeing it as this guy's at least sincere. Yeah, this person's at least sincere. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're talking about trying to convince them to be racist or something like that. But they might look look at you like you're just that crazy. I do think talking to a priest or just talking to anybody Christian, anybody who who sincerely holds these beliefs that they don't, and they're meeting on a plane again, a captive audience. I do think that that they are they feel a certain mandate by by because of the conversation to explain what what how they engage the spiritual life because sure i see it all the time where people will say you know oh i i do just feel that you just need to be nice and kind and and that's my religion like i i I feel i need to define a religion or define a spirituality right now and just being nice and kind is that religion and the one thing i i I was just trying to think of you know i i oftentimes will you know kind of push back on that and say you know what about the people in the world who are not kind you know, what about the people in the world who, who are just really selfish? And like, how do you, con- do you really, is the tactic just to convince them? And what is going to convince them just to be nice and to be kind? And, you know, uh, the, the oil barons that, that they're being so condemned nowadays and, and, you know, to say, well, you know, just th- th- they're rich and we just need to, you know, take their money away or convince them to give it up. It's like, you don't understand human nature. You know, evil is real and evil exists. And they want to deny that by just saying things are nice. And it's like, you know, you, you push back a little bit and, and I don't even know what they, I don't see, I don't remember what, what I've never heard a, g- a good answer to that, of course, but I, I imagine they would say, well, mental illness, you know, Hitler had a mental illness or they just, you know, wasn't normal or, or he was a bad guy and needed to be stopped. Thalamus or something. He just needed a hug, you know, I, 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 I don't know what it is, but it, it is that that comes up so much. I'm like, we need better answers to. Maybe Hitler would have be felt nice. better if if somebody would have given him like a a little bumper sticker that said, "Be the person your dog <laughs> thinks you are." I heard a comedian. That's recently. Norm, dude. Yeah, it's Norm Macdonald. Oh. It's so funny. He said that exact thing. About he didn't Hitler. say that exact oh. thing, but it's like you know, almost you know, almost there. Yeah, but it's like. Are you crazy? Right. You crazy? That's literally your philosophy. Yeah. Because with that philosophy, you could, you could propose a lot of different things. Yeah. And I, and I do think that people, when we, we all, we all desire to live in bubbles with people that agree with us. But when you, when you get into a bubble of a bunch of people that, that, that kindness has made their, made them happy, they just think that's going to be the case with everybody. And they, they don't, getting out of that bubble and meeting real angry, bitter people who, who, who are living an evil life and like it 
and just want to take what you have and have absolutely no problem with that. And they know these things from history, but it's not modern or they meet them and then they just demonize them and condemn them and don't really have an answer for why these type of people exist. Um, you know, and then, and then once you get into Christianity, it's even harder because being nice and kind is not going to get you to heaven, you know, within Christianity. You need more than that. You need to become a child of God and, and participate in his very life through the sacraments, through the love of neighbor, through the readings of the scriptures. I mean, all these things like this. So it's, you're bringing people, that that's in a sense, and I hate to put it this way, but that, that's in, in one way, that's the definition of being lukewarm. You know, this, this, that, those are the, the people that Christ vomits from his mouth, you know, and I, I don't mean to be condemnatory. He, I'm, sure. I'm the same way, but that, you know, there's something about, there's something about just having, thinking you have all the answers, thinking you have it all together. And it just means if everybody just, somebody said, be kind, you know, or be nice and then the world will be a better place. It won't because evil exists. And, and that's, even that is not enough. We, when it, it's not completely evil, but it's lukewarm but it's not enough to have our souls saved. Yeah, we'd need a little more than that. I mean, that's Tim McGraw. Always be humble and kind, which is a good start. Yeah. It's a good start. Um, But I think there are some people that haven't been confronted with the truth of the gospel from people who really are sold out about it. Right. And whether you're a Christian, like a staunch Christian, uh, you know, staunch Catholic you are a priest or a nun or a religious or just like somebody who's actually taking their faith seriously. Like you have a, a, not a duty, but you have a possibility of being able to be an instrument of conversion. Mm-hmm. You know, Philip and the, uh, what is it? The, the eunuch. Yeah. Is it Philip? Yeah. The deacon Philip. The Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. So he runs up. You know, because, like, he's directed by the Spirit, but also, like, he's just like, so, what's up, dude? What's going on in your life? And he's like, ah, I'm reading this scroll. It's crazy. I don't know. I don't even know what it means. He's like, why don't I tell you about it? He's like, yeah, come on. Come up here into the skybox. Let me tell you about it. And then they start talking, and then eventually he's like, man, this is great. And, And Philip, it doesn't say, like, Philip's like, yeah, you can continue to keep living your life. No big deal. Who cares? Like, he proposes something new, but first it comes from what this person's experience was. And I think that's the task, is understanding, like, read your audience. Where are they? I had somebody say the other day, um, I, I heard this, that uh, they were talking to somebody about about Islam. And the person said to them, yeah, you really can't trust, really can't trust them because they'll, they'll, you know, backstab you or whatever. Well, they had no idea, but they have, you know, Muslim friends and they just shut down. Yeah. They just absolutely shut down. She did not listen to where this person was coming from. She just kind of spouted off. And so the task is, um, allowing, allowing the disclosure of the person to be complete or at least like availed, yeah. like it's open, yeah. instead of let me tell you what you need to do. Right. You know, because the other day, I mean, this is a side story, but the other day, the other day, I had a guy just start giving me spiritual direction yeah. about what was wrong with my life. And I'm like, you have absolutely no idea who I am. And I have absolutely no idea who you are. So right. maybe you just need to like back off. Yeah. And it was another priest. And I was like, God bless you, dude. But, Yep, don't need it right now. Yeah. 
you know, we're going back to Tim McGraw. I, I like Vike for that. You should be, what was it? Be humble and Always nice. be humble and kind. Always be humble and kind. Like, why? That's what I, I don't think people can answer. They, they just say, just because that, that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, that's just, isn't that understood? But like, why? There's got to be a reason so that you can convince those who are not humble and kind. If you just tell them, be humble and kind, they say, why did you go, be humble and kind? You should know this. That, that's just common humanity. It's like, no, it's You got to be humble. Can't be prideful. Sit down. Can't be humble. Gotta be humble. Excuse me. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I would admit to you there are times where I'm not the best at this, but I think it is important to open ourselves up to, the, to those kinds of dialogues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Father Gronsky has a great story where he was just trying to, you know, get some sleep, do some reading, you know, just not be engaged. And this woman kept asking him question after question after question. Where do you live? Where are you from? This is where I'm from. She went, she'd go off and talk about herself for 15, 20 minutes, and then she'd come back to him. So, where do you work? This is where I work. Let me tell you all about my work. And then eventually she goes, I'm sorry, I've been talking this whole time. So, I know you live and work in Denver, but like, what else do you do? And he goes, I live and work in Denver. Like, that's all he wanted to give her. And she was just like, oh, what a jerk. And he's like, look, I didn't knife her. You know, yeah. But I think, in a way, like he was just like, I'm not interested in playing your, your sort of. Let's pretend to like each other for 15, 20 minutes, right? But I think if you do it well, you're interested in hearing more about them mm-hmm. uh, than or their opinion on things than just sharing yours. Yeah. She was asking questions just so she could tell him what she was actually into. Instead of being, you know, someone interested. Right. And you can read the situation. It's tough. Good luck. You know, I also think it's important to remember to those who are intimidated by those situations, especially when people might ask you questions about the faith you don't know. You might say that, oh, I'm a faithful Catholic. And they say, ask you a question about something and you just don't know the answer. Right. Like, it's in those moments, it's important to remember, I'm sure I've told the story before about being a a chaplain when I was in seminary and thinking that my job was to walk into someone's hospital room and bring them the faith. And so that when I left, they were completely changed, completely faithful, and and going to go to the Mass next time they had the opportunity. So, but like when you're on the plane... God might just need you to say, I don't know. He might need you to say one small thing. He's taking care of them, everything else. He's going to give them other people in their life. He needs one small thing from you, whatever your personality can do. So just being open to whatever small bit of help you might be due to our Lord and His the work he's already doing for this person um, is very important. And it it does. You have to go be humble. You have to say, well, yeah, I might... I might not have an answer, and I have to say, I don't know. I might not. I might walk away saying, I think I made things worse. You know? yeah. But God can work through all that. It's, he's the one to work in anyway. Right. So good luck. There's a lot of people traveling, a lot of people you know, kind of scurrying around. So if you can, do it. And then every once in a while, just drop it on them. Well, FYI, I do this podcast. Um, it's, you know, it's helped some people. Yeah. You know, if you're interested, and then they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, you're, you're you know, a little simple Whatever. And then I'm like, yep, it's called uh, Father Mike Schmitz. Have I introduced myself? I'm Father Mike Schmitz. No, I'm kidding. Anywho, good luck. Yeah. Shout outs. You got any? I do. Um, I wish I remembered where I met this guy, but Richard Treveni, the regional coordinator for the Diocese of Sacramento, 
Um, I'm vaguely remembering a conversation. I'm so sorry, uh, Richard. Uh, anyway, shout out to you. And then uh, Laura Clenda is uh, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. And it got back to me that she listens to the podcast. Um, so, Laura Clenda, shout out to you. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Your turn. I have another letter uh, telling me that I made fun of another state in an inappropriate way. So, sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, my name is Amy, and I've been a podcast listener since last summer. I'm making my way backwards through the archives. I'm handwriting this letter to you with the sincere hope that you will make the Harry Potter podcast episode talked about in 2016. Her husband. She mentioned the year. She's oh, like, yeah. It was you. when I did it. It was when I read every single one of them from May until July. Okay. Might have to do that again. My husband Daniel and I are huge Potter nerds. He encouraged me to join the Catholic Church in 2008. Um, and uh, she's doing her best. Uh, to kind of keep up with all of it. So uh, I just listened to the Guardian Angels episode and you made fun of South Dakota. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I know very little about South Dakota. But you say? I don't even remember. I said it, it's great. It has a lot of good things going for it. Like, it shares a border with North Dakota. Okay. <laughs> it's got the Black Hills. It's got, you know, Sturgis. It's got Andy, or I mean, um, Anthony. Uh, Christensen, who was my former disciple at um, North Dakota State, uh, he came up with the bagel sandwich. Um, and uh, I've always enjoyed bagel sandwiches since then. Shout out to all the people that work at Old Town uh, Bagel and Deli in Colorado Springs. That's amazing. Okay. Anyhow. Uh, she's a fan of the banter and particularly enjoy Mario Kart references and odd shows like out of the Concords. She even made me this postcard. Mario wants you <laughs> to talk about Harry Potter and the podcast. Doodle-doo. Wow. Hand yeah. color. I know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, summing it up, um, may you be uplifted by the body of Christ and be humbled and loved by its members. I'll be praying for you. Side note, I had finally gotten quote, go make a difference out of my head from Advent. <laughs> when I heard the podcast episode where you sing a spectacular version, it's now stuck in my head again and will be there forever. I forgive you. Amy Hankinson from Somerset, South, South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. But she's originally from Gunnison, Colorado, oh, okay. which is a beautiful part of Colorado. And I don't know anything about Somerset. It's probably a wonderful part of South Dakota. So wherever you are in Somerset, okay. Next letter, you ready? Yep. Sorry, uh, dears fathers John, Nathan, Michael, and Mike. I hope you enjoy the gingerbread men, either eating them yourselves or sharing them with someone who likes them. They don't taste like most gingerbread, so try them. Uh, she keeps, you know, going on talking about the gingerbread and all of us. Uh, Vicky Ryan, Vicky Ryan sent us approximately <laughs> twenty-five gingerbread men that had uh, wrapped around their necks a different message uh, for each of the podcast members or other persons. Yeah, super kind. Yeah. It was not like other gingerbreads. Super tasty. Uh, I ended up giving a lot of them to. Sophia Montessori Academy. And they were very happy to receive them. So Vicki Ryan from Hamilton, Ohio, thank you for listening. 
Father, dear Father John, Michael, Mike, and Nathan, well, it took me two years, and I, quote, finally caught you. In February of 2017, searching for a Catholic podcast on iTunes, and your podcast was suggested. I admit I was dubious because I had listened to a few episodes of Stuff You Should Know and didn't really like it. However, when I heard the opening guitar and was pulled effortlessly from banter to substance to substance to shout-outs, I thought that this was a podcast worth sticking with. Then I investigated the earlier material, and by the time I heard about a CrossFit St. Nicholas decking the pop diva Arius, I was hooked. After two years, I have finally listened to all of them. That was the third Sunday of Lent, 2019. So when I can, I like to unwind between work and home, uh, walking on the many trails around our home, and the podcast has been a wonderful companion. It has suggested many resources to me that I've subsequently enjoyed. God at the Ritz, Edmund Campion... Uh, by Evelyn Waugh, John Henry Newman. It has spoken with heartfelt voice during dark and difficult times, uh, in particularly the scandal and the scouring, and it has given me in some small way a Catholic community since my marriage is older than some of your vocations. My wife and I can only gaze with unrequited longing at the theology on tap and other young adult offerings in our diocese. When I listen, I feel uh, for those uh, never quite 60 minutes I, f- I feel that for those never quite 60 minutes. I'm privileged to listen uh, to some truly inspirational things. So uh, he goes on. It's a beautiful letter. Um, did you get a chance to read this one yet? No. Oh, it's been up in my room. So I thank God every day for your vocations, your humanity, your humor, and your selfless commitment to the J10 initiative. Um, I will continue to pray for you through the intercession of my favorite men of God, St. Polycarp of Smyrna, mm. and uh, servant of God, Father Walter Chiswick. Sincerely, Robert Langan, MD, so that's Dr. Dr. Bob to you, the whole clan and the whole clan, Amy, his wife, Molly, Simon, Anne, James, Elizabeth, Margaret, and Joseph. Good Catholic. That is one, two, three, four, seven. Seven is a great number, folks, from Lori Station, Pennsylvania. Thank you for a beautiful reminder of what we were hoping to do. And uh, for listening to all of them, I hereby bequeath you one day off purgatory, which is redeemable (laughs) if I die before you and I will suffer in your stead. Nice. That's it. Uh, I think we've covered all the letters that we've received, uh, at least in the last few weeks. So, uh, for Father Michael. Signing out. For Father Nathan. Yes. Father John. Father Mike. For all the people that are working behind the scenes. God bless you. Bona Pasqua. Bona Pasqua. See ya.